Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Fee for Service Tennis Podcast. Today's guest, Dr. Aaron Nicholas, he's going to talk about his special courses and some events that he's got going on and some special deals for dentists and in particular newer dentists or dentists who want to recapture some skills or recapture some communication or some efficiencies. Definitely efficiencies. Very interesting conversation. He's got some things going on October 13th in Las Vegas and December 1st in Burtonsville, Maryland. It's a hands-on course. It's a one-hour molar root canal buildup and crown. Very interesting. And he's got a whole bunch of streaming courses that he's got available on his Monday morning dentistry group. Excellent, excellent information. And we get into it with a conversation about anesthetics and some other things and some other topics. So we got a lot of clinical information going on. And of course, a bunch of information about case presentation and how do you handle certain situations. I think you all like it very much. As always, a fee-for-service dentist podcast is brought to you by Kettenbach. Kettenbach, who has a new product, Visalis Fill and Visalis Flow. It's an 80% filled nano-hybrid composite. High polishability and a very aesthetic restorative. It has great durability and strength, and it makes an ideal anterior or posterior composite. So check it out. Call Kettenbach. Remember, your costs are lower with Kettenbach. And it's available direct to your office with no middleman. Call 877-532-2123. That special code for the discount is fee for service, all one word, for $200 off the hands-on course given by Dr. Aaron Nicholas. So today's podcast is also going to be sponsored by Dr. Nicholas's group, the MondayMorningDentistry.com. Go there if you're going to take any of these courses or if you want to check out some of their streaming online courses or his 90-day clinical accelerator course, which is a very intriguing product. If you like the podcast, click like, share it with your friends. If you don't like it, well, contact me, please, and let's talk about it. See if there's something you want to do better or change. We'd love to make sure we're giving you guys what's of value. 607-624-2962 is my cell phone. Email is just sunnyspirit at gmail.com because I'm not very creative. Hit me up anytime. Sit back, relax, enjoy the episode, folks. Thanks. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe the best way No, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet, our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country, 
because we invested ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast, and these are our stories. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast, Dr. Sonny Spirit. Today, we have a good friend, an old friend, I'll call him. And I don't mean old because we're old, but I mean old because we've known each other for a bit now. Dr. Aaron Nicholas, and he talked a little bit last time about his story and how he got where he got and the different practice venues and, and models and some of the things that he has now worked and developed and the couple of programs that he's involved with in his uh, group, mondaymorningdentistry.com. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that, but let's first say hello, Dr. Nicholas. Well, Aaron, how are you doing? Welcome. I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Sonny? Good to be good to be back with you again. Good to have you. I know we, we, we touched on it a little bit in the, in our first episode, some of those uh, little tidbits. So, Today, we're going to go a little bit more into detail. So why don't you start right off? What are some of the courses that you have available? And what are, not what are, what is the genesis of it? Where'd this come from? Sure. Um, sure. So courses available. Uh, we have some streaming courses that you can get off of the website. And they are the one-hour mobile root canal buildup and crown course. Um, efficient extractions for the general dentist, um, ultimate anesthesia, and another one that's called assisted hygiene. Actually, I, I believe it's called um, profitable hygiene without bloodshed. But basically what it is, is it's about assisted hygiene. Um, I, I used to be really cute about the way I named the courses, and I've, I've done a lot less of that because it's just confusing. But those can be um, kind of taken at your own pace. Um, when you get to the end of them, there's a short test, and the short test is there so that we can give you CE credit. So um, you can uh, stream those at, at your at your pace and do so, that. So, so those are streaming episodes, right? Right. Those are just so, so let's let, so let's start. Let's the first one you said was the future of fee for service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage. Visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. The one hour molar, molar, molar root canal buildup and crown in an hour. That's the, right. That's the gist of that. Where did where did that thought or that idea? I know we talked about it a little bit in the last podcast, but where does some of that thought come up to set that up? Sure, sure. So it it started because I had hired a consultant and I, I told that story. Um, the, the last consultant that I hired that I'm now doing some coaching for, and I had, uh, I had spoken for him. And as I was talking to docs, um, a lot of them were sending a lot of work out the door. Okay. So both the extraction course and the root canal course came out of the idea that if we could send a lot less work out the door, we could keep more production in house and that would help the, the top line and the bottom line for them. Um, so I'd been doing my own root canal therapy for decades, literally decades. I started doing it when there were no rotary files. Okay. So I graduated in 87 and I did molars hand filing it for years and years and years. And, you know, you eventually work out some, some ways to make the process go a little faster. And so as I was seeing docs sending this stuff out the door, I was like, well, and I'm like, why don't you take a course and do this? And typically what would happen is 
they would, and nothing against specialists, is they would take the horse from a specialist. And the next thing they heard was that they needed to buy warm gutter purchase stuff and they needed to buy microscopes and they needed to buy. And they're like, you know, by the time I make my money back, it's not worth it to me. And I know that I've been doing this successfully for decades. Um, I've been in the same location for decades. So I know if it wasn't working, I would know. Um, and so I decided, well, I'll put a course together. So I actually had someone come into my office and videotape me doing that procedure. So I always do the crown with the root canal. It actually makes the root canal easier. Um, and the course is the one hour mobile root canal built up on crown, but the only thing anybody remembers is the root canal part. Cause that's like the, that's the sticking point. So I had someone videotape me and I kind of talked through the procedure. And then I, I did like a short debrief at the end and I created a few materials and uh, we, we went that way for a while. And I had some people buy that as well as some of the other courses. And then after I spoke one time at a summit, um, a doc came up to me and said, Hey doc, you know, I, I bought your, um, I, I bought the one hour streaming course. When are you going to have a hands-on course? And I was like, um, give me six months. And to me, what that said was, oh, people are buying it. It's useful, but I want a little bit more support. You know, everybody, everybody learns differently. You know, some people can read it and they're good to go. Some people can read it and see it and they're good to go. And some people need to read it, see it and want someone sort of standing over their shoulder to help them work out the little kinks along the way. And to me, that's what he was telling me. You know, I, I really like a little extra help as we're going through this. And so from that, that's where the hands-on course came about. Um, and that's it. It's both been educational for me because I don't know if we talked about the, like the process of learning, you know, you start, you don't know what you don't know. Then you know what you don't know. Then you're competent about the thing that you know, but you have to think about it all the time. So you're consciously competent and then you move on. Um, and what that, what that did for me was it made me realize how much I had become unconsciously competent and I had to back myself up to remember, okay, what were the problems I had along the way and how did I solve them? And how did I think about things differently so that I could then hand that to the, the guys coming up and ladies coming up um, so that they could work through those things themselves because they need to become consciously competent and then unconsciously competent on their own, not not just me. So, that's so the, you have the streaming version, which is you're watching like a video, right? Right. And then you have hands-on. So right. tell me... What's the key differentiator? What what's the differentiator? You're working on actual patients? Uh no, we're hands-on is actually on extracted teeth. And the reason for that is that if you are, you know, if you're learning this, you can create a problem I can't fix. Okay. Or it would take me a really, really long time to fix. And only so many people are going to be able to get reps if we're doing that. Whereas if we do a course with extracted teeth, you got a lot more docs. You can go through a lot more teeth. If you've messed something up, you throw the tooth away. There's no, you know, there's no stomach lining factor. There's no, you know, difficult mm -hmm. conversations with patients. You throw the tooth away, you get another one. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we want to get reps in. I want, I want them to run into those problems along the way. Um, I had one doc, he came only because he wanted to learn how to get past blockages. And every tooth he, he did, he just took it and just jammed stuff down there to make it, to create a blockage. And then he worked his way through it. And that's what he wanted from the course. And he did great, you know, and he got that. So, our show is sponsored by our good friends at Metadenta. Metadenta has served the dental community since the 1940s with award-winning innovation 
and a large catalog of dental products in most facets of dentistry. I personally use several of their products and recommend them to anyone I can. They are a sponsor of the program and are offering 30% off. That's right, 30% off anything site-wide at metadenta.com. Simply use the code FFSD30 at checkout and get your 30% instant savings. From CR-rated Profi Angles, Hygiene, High-Speed Handpieces, Burr, Endo, Whitening, they more than have you covered. Their customer service is amazing, and they are willing to walk you through an order at any time. So if you have any questions, give them a call at 800-221-0750. That number, 800-221-0750. Or send them an email at orders at metadenta.com and mention the fee-for-service dentistry group and get your discounts. The biggest difference there is that you get that that hands-on. And the thing I learned was when I said, hey, guys, you need to open up the, um, you need to make your access opening larger than what you're looking at on Instagram and probably larger than what you're doing. And then I had them work. And the first thing I did was I, people would go, hey, I'm having a problem. You know, what's going on here? And literally across the board, everybody didn't make their access opening big enough. Okay, because so many people have just been beating at their heads that they need to have these little ninja access openings. And the the very first time I gave the course, um, I I pulled everybody together and I said, "Give me a you know, give me an extracted tooth. Let me show you what I mean when I say this." So when I tell you you need to have your uh, your access opening larger, you hear it, you run it through your normal filter, and then you do what you do or do it just a little bit different, and it might not be as exactly what I'm talking about. So. From that, I learned, okay, you know, most of the problems start way back upstream. And most people start getting in trouble with the access, quite literally with the access opening. Mm -hmm. So I actually shot a video of me doing this because with 15 students, they can't very well, everybody can't see that one little tooth. So we can put it up on a screen nice and big, and then they can get an idea of what I'm really talking about when I say open it up. Um, And then they go in back and they practice. And then a lot of times they're still making them too small. It's like, okay, guys, we need to we need to open this up. From that conversation, I learned, okay, I have to let them know it's okay to open it up, that it's not going to hurt the restorability of the tooth. And so then I went back to look at the research. And when you look at the research, you know, it, it lets you know where are root canal teeth being lost, what are the things that condemn them, what creates uh, breakage and that sort of thing, and it's not the access opening. So that ended up in the didactic part of the conversation say, hey, it's okay to open them up farther than you think it is. It doesn't hurt the restorability of the tooth. And this is what I mean when I say open it up more. So I think we've sort of each step along the way sort of figured that out and and ironed out those little objections and the way we want things done and try to make it just a, a smoother process, you know, all down the road, you know, just trying to take away the speed bumps. Okay, so I'm just trying to walk myself through it. So if I'm there... You're, you have extracted teeth. So let's say I have an upper molar and the guy sitting next to me has a lower molar. Do we have an x-ray of that? Um, typically, no. Okay. Typically, no. I mean, it wouldn't hurt, but, you know, uh, if you you could take an x-ray of those teeth and bring them in. But the bottom line is since we're going to be working with a, um, a, a different technique, mm-hmm. the x-ray doesn't do that much for you at that point. So, you know, the big, uh, the big sticking point for a lot of people is, you know, I can't find the MB2. 
you know, I can't find the MB2. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the research on what does it take to be able to find the MB2 and they look at, you know, um, so you either, you know, you, you make your access opening and you look in the tooth, you don't have loops on chances are not very good. You shoot an x-ray and you're looking for the MB2 chances are not very good. Okay. You make your access opening, you look in there and you use either loops or a microscope and they're fairly, they're fairly consistent between the two, which tells me the big jump is to have some sort of magnification. Then you go, well, we could do a CBCT and that would give us more. And but the the um, the actual research on the CBCT is it's not that much better than your loops or your microscope. So some sort of magnification to help you find that extra canal. But shooting the X-ray is way way down on the list. So it's not really helping you out that much to find that that extra canal. Okay, so the students are bringing their extracted teeth. You're providing them. How does that work? Yeah, we as soon as they sign up, they get a letter that says this is where we're going. Make sure you bring your loops. Make sure you bring your loop light. Make sure you go get some extracted teeth. If somebody says, oh, you know, it's last minute, I, I can't make it, I can't get any extracted teeth, just come on anyway. People always bring more teeth than they need. Most people don't want to take them home, so we take them and we store them, and we always bring some to every course so that we have them. Um, the other thing too is everybody just thinks about what they can get in their office, and I always tell them. Go talk to your oral surgeon, or even better, go talk to your periodontist. Because when periodontists are taking out teeth, they're usually not busting them up to get them out of there, whereas oral surgeons a lot of time will. And the other thing is don't bring thirds. They're just not very useful for, for learning technique. Gotcha. Okay, so that's that. So what was uh, – so let's go back to the original. So the streaming, so you said – Sure. Molar root canal, build up and crown in an hour. What was the next course? Um, was um, efficient extractions uh, for the general dentist. Efficient extractions. So are you talking mostly like, a, is this tying a little bit to, to implants, like atraumatic type extractions or what, what's, what's, what's the, the uh, emphasis on that? Yeah, they end up, it, it ends up uh, being a fairly similar technique. So um, I think I had mentioned the last time we talked that I've been going on a, a mission trip to the Dominican yep. for decades Um and one of the things that happens down there is you only have so much equipment. So we bring down X number of mobile units mm -hmm. and then we have people doing operative and we have people taking out teeth. Well, if I have to pick up a handpiece so I can section a tooth or cut away bone, then I got somebody in operative that's not getting a filling. So we do everything we can to keep that from happening. And because of that, we sort of came up with techniques that made it so you don't destroy so much bone and you still get the tooth out. And that just so happens that that's really useful for when you want to take a tooth out and put an implant in. Um, so it sort of crossed over very nicely, not by design, just, you know, purely by, by happenstance. And then the other thing is, you know, I've had a number of associates come in and work in my practice when I owned the practice and they would get a tooth that was, you know, broken off at the gum line or just above the gum line. And if they didn't have something to grab onto, they were kind of lost and they, they weren't quite sure what to do. So, um, I had one doc that it, he was in, uh, patient had broken, I think he had broken seven. Uh, and so for whatever reason, they decided they wanted to go ahead and do a bridge. Okay, fine. He preps the bridge. He puts on the temp and I was there that day and he, he sent the patient out the door and I said, you know, how was that getting number seven out? Cause I knew he had struggled with that before. And he was like, oh, that's a really difficult extraction. So I sent him to the oral surgeon. I said, so next time that happens, give me a call. 
I'm like, that's probably like a 30 minute to two, 30 second to two minute stretch. It just doesn't take that long. Um, you're just not familiar with the technique because you can't grab onto something. So, and I see that over and over with, with associates. Um, or the other one that happens a lot is like, okay, so we talk about sectioning the tooth and uh, they went ahead, the tooth's broken down, they sectioned the tooth and they still can't get it out because basically what they have is two of the first thing. They yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, the gum line and they can't get it out. So I'm like, okay, so let's think about removing some bone from, you know, in between the roots. And, you know, um, and like, well, you're removing all that bone. I'm like, look, as long as you don't violate the buckle, uh, the buckle plate, the lingual plate, the rest of it's going to fill in. You know, the, right. it's just a few millimeters between friends. It'll be fine. It'll now, grow back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It'll grow back. Yeah, it will. I said, here's the second question. If it was tooth number eight and it was periodontally involved, and most of the bone was gone from the distal. Could you get that tooth out even if it was broken down the gum line? It's like, oh, of course I could. I'm like, that's what you're creating. That's literally what you're creating. And now you can get now you can get that out too. So a lot of it's just kind of thinking differently than than what you have before. But there's just lots of things you can do that that makes things easier. Now, is that just a streaming or is that also hands-on too? That is just streaming. We are hopefully gonna have hands-on. Uh, we're working hard to have it up and running by April 20, uh, April of 2024. Um, we will have live patients coming in. I was going to um, say, yeah, you're going to have to bring people in. Yeah, down there that has uh, works with an indigent population, and so you know we're kind of looking forward to having that one happen. Um, okay, all right. So one, and then the the next class was uh, the next one was streaming um, ultimate anesthesia, which is just basically about making sure you can get a patient numb. Um, so we just ran into, that was actually a conversation that I had with, uh, with Mark Costas about his, uh, about associates. Um, and, the, and, and he said, you ought to do one about anesthesia. I'm like, everybody can get a patient. Now he's like, you would think he's like, I got a bunch of associates. Some of them have a really tough, a really tough time. Uh, any chance you could, uh, do something like that, that might be a good idea. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And so I, I put one together um, and I showed both some blocks and some infiltrations. And then what do you do if the block doesn't work and the infiltration doesn't work? And what if you do, if you, the block doesn't work, the infiltration doesn't work, your PDL doesn't work, uh, intraosseous injections, and then talking a little bit about, you know, the routes that the nerves are running and that sort of thing. Um, and recently I've actually started been going more to a Gal Gates rather than inferior alveolar. Um, so, you know, that's, um, I don't know if that's in there yet or not, but that's going to get added really soon. So all of those things to help staff figure out how to get, not staff, but docs help figure them, uh, help them figure out how to get patients numb. Uh, okay. A, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, blocking, listen, blocking, blocking. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, listen, listen, I'm having the dandest, darndest time getting blocks, right? I'm missing mm -hmm. them. I'm not getting them. I give more more anesthetic, and it just seems to be working. What are some of the common uh, uh, pitfalls with a situation like that? And I and I, I've definitely gone through that myself, and I know a couple of my docs have as well. And I I, sure. I have my little techniques, but what are some of the things that you see? I mean, for me, the first thing is typically they they inject too low. Um, so if that foramen isn't exactly where you think it's going to be, you know, the anesthetic's not going to diffuse up. It's going to diffuse down with the, with gravity. So I read an article years ago that said, you know, inferior alveolar nerve block, 85% effective. If you go up 
50% higher, um, you get an extra 8%. That gets you up to 93% effective. That's kind of nice. Um, and so that works out nicely. You can actually go to a Gal Gates, which for me these days is kind of my injection of choice. It's interesting how many docs are afraid to give a Gal Gates. Um, and no one can tell me why. I've asked um, in every class that I have, I've asked the question online, I've asked the question in message, message boards, and nobody can tell me why they're afraid to give a Calgates injection. But I can tell you that for me, even after having given intraalveolar nerve blocks for forever, my success rate on Calgates is definitely higher. There's no no three ways about that. So, Do you start right with a Calgates? Yeah. Yeah, I start right there. Um, I also always give two carpules. So whenever you take local anesthetic and you put epinephrine in it, it becomes more acidic. So the first one is usually sit nest without any uh, without any epi, uh, so that I use that to kind of walk the needle back to where I want it to be. And then the second injection will be um, usually septicane with, uh, with epi. Um, these days we're buffering our anesthetic solution. And so that actually helps with the diffusion also. And so between those different things, that tends to get me where I need to be. Now, if we give a block and they don't get numb, well, first off, got a time. How long does it take to get numb from a block? Because a lot of times people, you know, they, they drink coffee and they walk around and it's like the greatest time suck of dentistry we don't really realize is waiting for anesthetic. It's like five minutes, usually it's going to happen or not happen. There are those patients that take longer, but nine times out of 10, five minutes will do it. They're not numb in five minutes. Let's do something else. Um, typically, I don't want to reblock because you know we're just not we're just not getting anywhere. If you're doing third molars, you kind of have to reblock. So you got to be a little better. Uh, we're going to start doing uh, thirds. But uh, now, are you using a twenty-five gauge long? What kind of needles are you using? Uh, my first needle is always a thirty short, and then followed up by a twenty-seven long. Um, I had a really good friend as a periodontist and he put in more implants than anybody I've ever heard of. And all he had was a 30 short. And I was like, you block with a 30 short. He's like, yep. Works every time. I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't argue with success for me. I found I need that, that 27 long for sure. If you're given a gal gauge, you need a 27 long because you never, you never quite make it back there. Otherwise with the, with the short needle, but. Right. Okay. All right. So that's the anesthetic streaming course what's the next one because you got was there five that you had there were four, four. so the, okay. the last one is an assisted hygiene is basically what it is sometimes sometimes people like to call it team hygiene um but you know the the idea and where we got how we got there was i had a hygienist i really liked and she worked great with patients and everybody wanted to see her and we kept trying to bring a second hygienist in over and over and over and over again and we just couldn't find anybody we liked nearly as much and the patients liked nearly as much. So I had um, I had seen a presentation and I sent away for the video, which was on VHS tape, which tells you how long ago it was and explained the whole concept and how it worked with assisted hygiene. And I gave it to her one day and I said, why don't you take this home and watch it and tell me what you think? And she had kind of been hinting around that she wanted to be on commission rather than uh, just straight pay. And so when she came back, um, she said, yeah, let's do it. And so we started doing assisted hygiene. Um, it's a simple concept, 
it's a lot more difficult to implement than it might seem because you need to have this coordination between the assistant, the hygienist, and the doctor. And then you also need to have communication between all three of those. Um, and even though we went digital in 2005, um, the, 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 the pieces of paper that we still have in the office are the communication with the hygienist, the assistant, the doc, and the front desk, because it's too easy to send a message across and then for people to get involved with patients and staff and other things, and then you forget about it, and then you have upset patients. Whereas if you have this piece of paper sitting in front of you, you can't miss it. It's it's still there, and you're going to have to deal with it one way or the other. So um, in that in that product is all of our paperwork and how we do it. How do we keep the schedule full? Um, how do we um, treatment plan for same-day treatment if a patient decides they want to do that and make that happen? Um, how we communicate between uh, the hygienist, the assistant, and the doctor. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. But that's, we, we, we really, it was really tough at first getting everybody on the same page mm -hmm. and things working nice and smoothly. But once we hit it, it was, it was great. Okay. Give us a little, um, Sam. So let me give you a scenario. All right. And, in, 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 um, in office, excuse me, Bless office one, uh, adult hygiene patient. Uh, profi exam, bite wings. We schedule an hour. Okay. For pediatrics, we're scheduling 40 minutes. How would you, how would you handle like the overlap period? What would that look like? Patient starts at eight o'clock in the morning, first patient. Sure. Where would you stagger and what would that, what would that look like? So the, the first thing that we do is that all patients' appointments are either an hour or two hours. Because as soon as you go, this one's an hour and this one's 40 minutes, and then patients don't stay in the schedule and they don't show up on time, they don't leave on time. And so if you have them all at an hour, now you can mix and match your blocks. It's not a big deal. Um, and so that second patient wouldn't start until, until halfway in. So at 30 minutes, that patient would be seated and the assistant, the assistant basically starts the patient, uh, gets them ready for the hygienist. The hygienist does her thing, leaves notes. The assistant comes in with the doc on the on the exam, and then dismisses that patient. Turns to the room, gets the next patient back, gets them back, and then hands them over to the hygienist. And then you just do that kind of back and forth all day. So on average, an hour appointment, let's say for a let's say a healthy healthy adult or something. Sure. Um, how much time is the hygienist actually with the patient? 25 minutes? She's probably in there 30 to 35 minutes. Um, if you start to actually figure out all the things that a hygienist normally does that are not about putting a um, a, a curette or a, a rubber, uh, rubber profi cup on a patient's tooth, it's an enormous amount of stuff, you know, because all the all getting the patient back is there, medical updates there, oral hygiene instructions there, turning the room, um, making the appointment, um, you know, all, um, taking the radiographs, all that stuff is not things that only a hygienist can do. So if you have the hygienist doing the thing she actually went to school for and that she is most qualified for and hand off everything else that somebody else can do, it frees her up to have a, a big chunk of time with the with the patient. The other thing is, if the hygienist is doing that and she's still running over, then it's like, okay, are we trying to do 
atrophy on a patient that needs something more, you know, something else. And right. that kind of points that out really quickly to you. And it also makes it very apparent to the hygienist. It's like, okay, I can't, I can't really do this in that amount of time. We need to do scaling in uh, some posterior quadrants or something of that sort. Okay. So that is the fourth and final streaming course, right? Yes. Okay. So you package all four of these in a certain way. Is that what the, is that what the, the night, would you call it was a 90 day? Oh no. 90 day accelerator is a completely different deal. Well, let's talk about the 90 day accelerator. Then. Excuse okay, me. So, so the 90 day accelerator came out of me doing coaching for the uh, DSI uh, companies and talking to owner docs and to associates and owner docs, well, associates want mentorship coming out of school and they realize they need it. And that's really a, a, a great thing. Owner docs want associates that can produce. And generally they are very open to being mentors. A lot of them like teaching. Okay. And usually the, in the employment agreement, there's some sort of a, Hey, every Thursday we're going to sit down and we're going to review cases for an hour, 90 minutes, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, and, and usually they're requiring their associates to like, take x-rays of their completed class two so they can kind of see, you know, what that's looking like, take pictures of things, you know, uh, and just kind of discuss in general, because as you review cases, all kinds of different things come up. And then that's how the mentorship works. Works great. Works great for the first month, maybe two months. And then what happens is, you know, someone's got to pick their kid up. Someone has to drop a car off, you know? Um, and so it ends up breaking down. And at the end of the year, what happens is, You've got a, uh, an associate that's frustrated because he didn't get the mentorship he thought he was going to get. And you've got an owner doc that's frustrated because this guy's not, or Beryl is not producing any more than he was, you know, in the first three months. And, you know, when is this person going to get productive? So I kind of saw that as, as the opportunity because I've trained a bunch of docs because I've had a bunch of associates uh, and I have these courses. I saw that as an opportunity to kind of help out there. So the 90-day accelerator is online, Zoom calls, twice a week um, for an hour and a half. And then it runs for, it actually runs for 90 days in a week because they get an integration week in the middle. But we go through a lot of different things. Some of them are, are strictly clinical and some of them are just kind of things that you don't think about, but it'd be really helpful. Like if a doc goes, it's really taking me a long time to prep crowns. I don't understand why it takes me 45 minutes. It takes the owner doc 10. What's the difference? And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about it. You know, have you timed yourself? Do you know what your system is? Do you know what your step is every step of the way? Are you using the most efficient things that you can be using? Have you ever gotten a handful of extracted teeth and sat down and did nothing but crown preps on them for like five teeth in a row? You know, so those are the kind of things we talk about. And I, you know, I always tell people it's a done with you course, not a done for you course. So you listen to me talk for three hours a week. It's not going to get the job done. You got to go implement. You got to get your assistants to help you, you know, uh, time yourself. And so we provide resources for that. We discuss that. Um, and that's, that is one of our training exercises. actually is get five teeth. And this is the system we want you to use and go ahead and prep those five teeth and tell me what you learned between tooth one and tooth five. Okay. And it's a very different, they're doing a very different thing between tooth one and tooth five. Okay. Cause tooth one, they're going to keep to more or less to what they usually do. And they're going to piddle and they're not going to, you know, by two, five, 
they've been sitting there for like an hour, hour and a half, not getting paid and cutting on teeth. And all they want to do is get it done. All of a sudden, they understand how fast you can really go if what you're trying to do is is hit your result rather than this thing that you're doing in the middle. Uh-huh. So we go through that. Uh, we also have a survey we send out to the assistants to see how they they work with assistants. We talk to them a lot about how to work with assistants, what you can hand off, uh, help them a little bit with maybe training the assistants they have. Um, some of that actually has to do with leadership um, because as a, a doc in a practice, you're leading your assistant, um, you're leading your patient. And so you need to kind of work on those things. Um, we do talk about root canals and you know how to do those and crowns and how to do those more efficiently, extractions, how to do those more efficiently. Um, we just, this, uh, this past week, we talked about um, hygiene exams and how do you get in, uh, connect with the patient, find out what's going on, diagnose, present treatment, get acceptance and get out the door without taking you 15 minutes on each patient. Because let's face it, if you did that assisted hygiene and then took you 15 minutes with each patient, yeah, you only got a half an hour, blown an hour to be able to do your work. And so you got to figure out how to make that happen. So, you know, yeah, you've blown up that. your schedule. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of this is, hey, you know, in five to seven years, you're going to figure it out on your own. But we'd all be a whole lot happier if you got there faster. You know, the doc's going to be happier because they're going to produce more. The owner doc's going to be happier because he's producing more or she's producing more. Um, and it just kind of moves everybody along. Why not fold time if you can? Um, so, so this is focused on the, we'll call the newer doctors. Do Since you're talking about mentorship, do you have something that incorporates the, I don't want to say older, because that would put me in that category. Let's say the more senior doctors to to work on the complementary side of that or no that's an interesting idea i i mean i could put something together it wouldn't it wouldn't take much because i have all the resources that i use right now to do that that's an interesting idea i have had docs that have been out as long as 11 years decide to go through that 90-day accelerator um simply because they were they were doing institutional dentistry and they're like i know i need to go out in the real world i know i need to be faster you know and so, yeah, and then some people just haven't really got their footing yet, and unfortunately, some people are in different scenarios or different situations where maybe they're not doing what they taught, what they were taught, and they've been asked to maybe compromise certain things. Or listen, the treatment plan set for you because this is insurance A, and this is how you do it, and you don't have to present it, right? Um, you know, Marty's a good friend of mine, but you know, he didn't have to present treatment plan. He could just go in and say, listen, you need XXX. This is what it's going to cost because your insurance is this. And we do it as opposed to talking to a patient where you really need a, the buy-in, you know, because they're invested and they're financially going to be responsible. Right. It's a, diff- it's a different mindset, different co- conversation. And, and I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. I'm just saying those are two different conversations. So I could see someone on one side of the fence saying, oh, I'm going to journey over to the other side. I need to kind of, you know, get some of my skills back and some of my articulation, diction, and all those things better, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we talk a lot about, you know, when you're – so if you're fee-for-service, you know, typically you're getting paid more for the procedure, but they expect a higher level of service. Um, they expect uh, a better explanation. And so a lot of times, you know, we talk about, well, how do you, how do you, how do you thread that? 
so that you're having a conversation with the patient. So you end up with a treatment plan or at the very worst, a treatment plan with an option or two. Because once you get into multiple treatment plans, like no one's buying, uh, no one's getting any work done. They're too confused. You know, so how do you have that conversation? What are the signs you're looking for from the patient? When do you break into like your diatribe and go, okay, you made a face when I said, you know, root canal, tell me what, tell me what your experience is with that or what you've heard about it. Let's talk about that first. And then you jump back in. And so you go through that process. And then the other thing too is um, uh, one of the, the tips that I gave them this week is I said, give them a time frame and not soon. Soon's not a time frame. A time frame is this week, next week, before I see you again, within the month. This I would have preferred to have done this yesterday. You know, something that lets them know what the urgency of this of this is going to be um, is very helpful. And if you, it's like anything else in life. If you if you come into a meeting and you have an agenda and you go through your agenda, you get the meeting done efficiently. You're back out the door. Okay. If you come into a hygiene exam and you're just wandering around, it's going to be a very long time uh, before you get back out the door. So that's that's one of the things, you know, I, I just kind of want them to see that. And I think that's super helpful. And then, you know, we we have them, you know, videotape themselves and we'll evaluate those. And, you know, it's painful, but it's it's really helpful when you do it. Well, it's a certain part charm school, right? And it's a certain part skills. I <laughs> yeah, mean, you know, it's a, the rain in Spain, right? Falls mainly on the plane. I mean, it's there is a little bit of that. And I think it goes a long way in yeah. terms of. I remember my one of the first things I read, Dr. Dwayne Schmidt, who was a good became a really good friend and a good mentor of mine. He talked about pediatric dentistry because there's not a lot of big things we did do. And one of them was, you know, either a stainless steel crown or a space maintainer. Mm -hmm. And he's and he was big on efficiency. So he I would do this and I would talk about this. I had it down to like 12 words mm -hmm. where I could explain it. You know, the tooth comes out, the jaw shrinks. And like he said, nobody wants your jaw to shrink, you know. Yeah. And it was very precisely, and, and he honed that. And that was a very, very valuable skill to present a treatment plan. And I, I know myself, because I was guilty of this, as I'm sure a lot of new dentists were, like person with a broken cusp, I spent two hours explaining how the tooth functions and how this is cuspal coverage and you don't have the strength and the integrity of the tooth is gone and you've lost a retaining one, a million different explanations. And, you know, like the joke was invariably my assistant would be like, the tooth's broke, just crown it. And, <laughs> you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't get that because there's almost like I didn't know enough when to stop and pause, when to make it a two-way conversation we're talking with, not talking at, mm -hmm. and, and that stuff. And that's a maturity thing. But, yeah, that's very helpful. And my son has done that a little bit. Like, at times we're working together, he'll kind of stop and listen. He's like, oh, I, I like how you put that. And yeah. I think there's something that we should we should probably do internally in our office to help bridge that gap for any of the docs. How do you explain this? And put it in your own words, but these are the words that we use and it works well for us. You know, find the word that's best for you. But this is a shortcut to generally the same same scenario. So it sounds a little bit like some of the things you're talking about. Yeah, one of the things we should like to do in the office is we do hot seats for the docs and say, okay, I broke the distal lingual cusp on tooth number, whatever, present a crown to me. And then, you know, they start and they, you know, it, it, every, it makes perfect sense until you actually try to do it. 
And then, you know, when they, whenever they use a technical term, it's like, eh, <laughs> try again, eh, you know. And then it helps them like just clear out all that extra words that you don't need. And like your assistance thing is perfect. Cause what I would tell the docs is like, here's, here's the deal. Tell them it's broke, it's cracked, it's infected. They understand those things, you know. Right. And we get down to the tube that's broken. We can't put a filling in it. We need to put a crown on it to keep the tube. Yeah. Kind of done. You know, it's funny. The, the converse of that is true. So I was in practice for, let's say, about four or five years. And I was just getting to the point where I was start, starting to speak English again. Mm. And I got invited to speak at my dental school. And, and uh, it was a big deal. It was their opening day. Um, they had, they did a big symposium and they brought in all these vendors and it was to address the entire student body as well as the faculty. So now I go up there and I'm talking to them about, you know, private practice and, and, and success and, you know, you know, getting there, finding your own way, et cetera. And I find myself looking out at, these are the professors that taught me and some of them world renowned, some of them research people and their language is that old, that technical, high tech, you know, you name it, trismus, not muscle tightness, you know, like, right. So as I'm speaking, I'm like, oh my Lord, I need to use some words I, <laughs> I have banished from my, my vernacular. And it was really funny. And I got done. I was like, oh man, I blew that. But I was trying to speak English and then I was trying to say, oh no, I should be doing this. So there was real conflict going on. So I was like, eh, maybe I'm not cut out for this. <laughs> See, I, need, I need to use some big boy words. That's what we I got. did. I needed to go. I needed to remember the trismus and uh, all these other words. That I, I just remember that one in particular because it's one word that takes me several words to use to describe to the average person, right? Sure. Sure. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, so, um, so you got this thing going the 90 day, 90 day clinical accelerator. And so uh -huh. they, we, I always tell them there's a lot of lifting at the front end because you got to do a lot of measuring and timing and, and that kind of stuff. And then we talk about, okay, so, you know, let's talk about what we can implement. Um, the interesting thing is, you know, usually an owner doc will send an associate. Sometimes the associates come on their own. Um, but when an owner doc wants to send an associate, I always tell them, make sure your associate has some skin in the game. Otherwise, they're not going to do anything. So make sure they're, they're paying for part of this. And then I always tell them when when you talk to them, um, because the other thing, too, is if you're an owner doc, I want you to get great value for this, just like your associates can get, get great value from it. And so I, I always coach them a little bit. Um, and I say, you know, the day after our, our meeting, ask them. What'd you guys talk about? Don't ask them what they learned because that's that's a value thing. Just say, you know, what'd you guys talk about? And a lot of times what we'll hear back from owner docs is, oh, like they talked about this idea you guys had about X and like, that was a great idea. We're going to implement it next week. So a lot of time, I mean, I was in practice for a very long time. And my natural inclination is just to be much, much more efficient no matter what I'm doing. And so sometimes there's some stuff I had thought up or had heard about and, and honed that they hadn't heard before. So it was actually... It comes in through the associate, but it ends up benefiting the whole practice, which is kind of nice when that sort of thing happens, too. Let me ask you a question. You're doing an MOD composite on number four. How much time do you need to do that? Just, um, just tell I'll me. For an hour and hopefully be out early. Um, and ideally, if it's a really big one, if it's a really big one, ideally, we're doing a crack. No, I'm just saying, just give me like cut the tooth, prep it, place, you know, all that stuff. Because most docs... 
we'll have it down to 37 minutes. I need 28. Like talk about like when you're when you're honing your efficiencies. Sure. And and I do get a kick out of it because I think dentists that are that I think are probably I'll say a little bit more successful have that time management down where they'll say, okay, that's a 27, that's going to be 18 minutes. And yeah. people think I'm nuts that are not in the dental world. Yeah. But many people in the dental world understand, listen, that's a crown prep that's going to be in eight minutes once anesthetic is set in. Yeah. What? You know? Yeah. For me, for me the buildup and crown, I've uh, between eight and 13 minutes on a buildup and crown. I know that one. Uh, the MOD, um, I find is kind of variable. And a lot of times they put that next to something else. And it's like, I can't do both these at the same time, guys. And so I just tell them, schedule an hour and hopefully I have the patient out early. Usually do. Uh, the other thing too is like, if I don't have anything next door, I inject them and I know that patient's going to be numb in 60 seconds. So I don't even get up. It's like, inject them. We wait 60 seconds, lean the patient back. And the patient's like, I don't think I'm numb. I'm like, well, let's check with the cold thing. No, nope, you're good. Let's let's go ahead and do it. You know, so uh-huh. again, another place where we waste time that we probably really don't need to. Now you talked in the anesthetic thing. You talked about intraosseous. Do you, have you ever used that? Um, it's an IO tip that uh, I think uh, Kit Weathers was a big proponent of. X tip, I think it's called. X tip. Okay, yeah. Um, I've I've used that one. Um, there's also something called the the Tuttle technique, where he basically pushes the the needle through the bone. Um, and I've done that before. The um the X tip is like it's a hundred percent. You're gonna drill a hole in the bone. You're getting through there. The tunnel technique where you bend it and then try to slip it through, and eh, maybe sixty or seventy percent. Um, but yeah, I've, I've done that before, and that's that's my last. I line them all up, and that's the last one. Right before that, I started doing a PDL with a, a gun and a vibroject on it, which helps to seat that needle and get that anesthetic down there. Um, and since I started doing that. I need the X tip once or twice a year, max. Since I started doing the Gal Gates, I've stopped not needing the PDL nearly as much either. You know, so it's kind of like you just do the the most uh, uh, the one that you know you can count on. And then actually, once we started uh, buffering the solution, it's just crazy. They're just like stupid numb. It's they are so numb so fast. It's really crazy the the difference it makes. What's that product called? Because I've seen that advertised a lot. We don't use any product. So we just get the, um, um, I think it's sodium bicarbonate. Um, it comes in the um, in the little bottle. You get a tuberculin syringe. And then we'll just get a, um, a card of um, of carpules. And then in the morning, they'll go ahead and they'll inject through the rubber end until half of the rubber stopper is sticking out. Put those in like a little tray. They take a stick them and write the date on there so that we know when they were prepared. And then usually they all get used up that day or at the latest the next day. We've had them out as far as three days. We don't put them in the fridge and they've been fine. You know, they get, they still get numb really, really fast. But there's a lot of products out there to quote unquote do it right or whatever. But I had read someone who had said they had done that. It worked out great. And that whole setup is less than a hundred bucks to try it out. So it right. just makes a lot of sense to me. You know, you, yeah. you can always make things more complicated and more expensive. That's not hard. You know, well, if you're buffering it, right, you're also making a little more adaptable to tissue. You're going to make it a little more comfortable on the injection too. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. I've, I've actually cut back a lot on the amount of sit nest with no epi that I use because the buffer, they don't really feel it. So I don't need to give that a little bit before I give an infiltration anymore. I just give the direct. So you, you didn't mention lidocaine or carbocaine. 
but no, not, not, not in your, uh, not in your armamentarium, so to speak. Um, carbocane with neocobefrin. If I have a patient that's like, I can't do epi, it's not a deal. Um, the only Lido we have in the office is Lido with one to 50 epi. And I use that to stop bleeding along with viscostat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, I don't, I don't use regular Lido anymore. Great stuff. All right. So talk to us about, I know there's, um, you have a couple special deals for our folks listening. Uh, talk a little bit about what it is and then some of the courses that you have coming up, some of your hands-on stuff. Sure. Um, so the special is actually for the hands-on course. Um, yep. And it's uh, it's $200 off and you use the discount code fee for service. Um, and you can go through the Monday Morning Dentistry website. The buttons for the courses is right on the front page. You don't have to look around at all. I'm sure you're going to put something in the show notes too. Uh, but that's what that's for. So we have two courses coming up um, this year left and what's left of this year. And so one of them is the um, is October the 13th. And um, now that I said the date, now I'm not sure. Hang on a second. Um, it's in October. It is October the 13th. Yeah, I was right. Okay. It's October the 13th in Las Vegas. October the 13th in Vegas, right? In Vegas, yeah. And I think we still have three spots left in that one. Um, And then the second one is in December, and that one's going to be in Maryland, and that's actually at my office. Um, And that is December the 1st. So October 13th, December 1st, those are the two courses, and those are going to be on the 90-minute Six, excuse yeah. me, 60 minute. I got your two courses, okay. 90 day and 60 day. Not, not the 90 day, but the 60 minute Molarendo post and crown, right? Yeah. yeah. The okay. Molarendo build up and crown. Um, I don't, I don't believe in posts. We can talk about that later, but, uh, uh, but yeah, it's, it's that one. And that's half the, the first half of the day is the research and the system and how we, we do it. Um, we provide, um, all the materials, the endomotors, um, that sort of thing. You need to bring loops, light, teeth. If you don't have teeth, don't worry. We'll get that figured out. Um, and then it's it's one day. Sometimes people go, well, only one day? I'm like, it's all there. Uh, it, it's all there. I don't need to sell you microscopes or worm gutta percha or anything else. You know, um, you can do it with probably what you have in your office right now or could get reasonably inexpensively. Okay, folks, check the show notes. I'll put all this in the show notes. But Monday Morning Dentistry, two upcoming courses, October 13th, December 1st. Excuse me, November. October 13th, December 1st. Those are the two dates. You got it. One's in... One's in Las Vegas. The Nevada, Las Vegas. I was going to say Las Vegas. The the other uh, one is in Maryland. The other one's in Maryland, yeah. All right. So cover the East Coast, cover the West Coast. Um. Super great, great conversation. I appreciate it very much, uh, Aaron. And, uh, you know, good, good teaching this old dog a couple new tricks myself. I just, oh, uh, okay, my son good. just got me using a little septicane for the last two years. I'm like, wow, this stuff's magical. He's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Great stuff. All right. So, and if they want to reach you, they can reach you. How? Um, you can either send a message on info at mondaymorningdentistry.com. Or you can reach me at, I'll give you my phone number because no one's abused it yet, uh, 410-207-3527 at 410-207-3527. All right, my friend. Thank you very much.
All right. Good talking to you again, Sonny. Same. Take care. All right. You too. Thanks for listening to the fee-for-service dentist podcast. If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.